Hi, this is Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast, a podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're down in Houston, Texas, where we're talking to Ray and Sarah Vaughan about what it's like to pursue No Place Left together as a couple. Uh, before we were even married, uh, we both were kind of running um, towards multiplication of disciples and churches kind of separately. Uh, you know, I got involved uh, maybe 2011, 2012, um, first met Jeff Sundell and really just cling to him um, just to learn. You know, God gave me a good mentor in Jeff and uh, just kind of um, was a uh, hanging at his coattails and just learning everything that we could about uh, multiplication, move, movements, church planting. Uh, while I was there, I was in college, and so I was failing forward, uh, working, um, you know, a job in school full time, and then just going after multiplication. Uh, seeing a lot of groups, a lot of multiplication across uh, Columbia, South Carolina, and I didn't have good ecclesiology or church planting necessarily. I think we were all still learning mm. this, and of course, this is before. No Place Left really even had the title. It was just, at this point, a uh, collaboration of um, workers across different cities and states that are just saying, man, we want to we wanna see multiplication of God's glory. And we didn't know what to call it. We just were like, we just want to see God's heart, his, his kingdom come and advance. And we were committed to the four fields, to the process, which really gave us a common language to start talking and collaborating across the U.S., which really it fueled me and gave me a lot of encouragement and uh, to just keep working because in Columbia, we didn't have a good team to start out with and just felt like I was laboring uh, alone. But God, little by little, started uh, revealing just kind of next steps and, and learning through failures and, you know, starting to see uh, just God do some great things. And then through connecting with Don Waybright, um, God just kind of shifted me and, and encouraged me to come move to Houston, Texas through Don and his leadership and Jeff and, uh, specifically to come be a, um, missionary to the city of Houston. So running missionary strategies like you would in Thailand or India or the Middle East, but doing that in Houston, the same type of strategy. Um, now, now Ray, I heard that the reason you moved to Houston was so as you could be near Sarah. Yes. So now that was a gift that the Lord gave me upon my obedience, I believe, to come to Houston. So Sarah, why don't you share that part, how we met and all that, babe? Yeah. So I was actually working for Don um, and had came to Christ just a few years earlier and had caught the vision of No Place Left um, overseas, really seeing what God was doing through India um, the work in India, and so started working for Dawn in the missions department, and then Ray came down to start doing trainings, and um, we went out on our first date, and he said, I'm praying about marrying you. That's and, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> now, Sarah, apart from me, was already living in a refugee apartment trying to make disciples among refugees and um, Nepalis and uh, Bhutanese Nepali, and... Um, She's, uh, the joke is that, you know, I saw her generational map and I thought to myself, I had to, had to marry her. So, <laughs> but had you met each other before you moved down, right? So one time, uh, like six or it, it was a, uh, before we met yeah. at a 
I think it was a mid-level or a four-day. So it was a mid-level that Nathan actually was leading in, in Houston. Yeah, but I think I was at that event. That's, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of people there. And I just remember the only thing I remembered about Ray was I asked him his name and he said, my name's Rayvon. And I said, your name is Raven? Like, <laughs> he said it so fast. I thought that his first name was Rayvon. Yeah. No, no. So all, all I remembered about him. And so then fast forward, like nine months later. She locked eyes and. That was it. All, all down. So, so the rumor could be true that, Ray, you moved to Houston because, you know, deep down you'd met Sarah. Absolutely. I think that, uh, I think, and, you know, to give credit where credit's due, Don Waybright uh, was um, trying to make this work before I even moved to Houston. So. Okay. Yeah, he was scheming. He's he's renowned for uh, setting people up. He's really good at it, right? Now. So Don Don loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life for your wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right for your wife. That's right. So, okay, so you guys got together, you got married, and and um, what what happened next as a couple? You know, pursuing no place left there in Houston. What what did that look like? Yeah, so we kind of uh, when. We, you know, Sarah and I got married. We just started running after uh, city strategy full time together. Um, there was a small transition. She she shifted out of uh, Sugar Creek um, in the, in the office and started working with me more out in the harvest full time and just as a missionary. Well, what, what did that look like? Just in those early days, what was it like for you as a couple out in the harvest? Can you think of a memorable story from that time? Our apartment when we first moved in. Yeah. Um, so Ray, not really knowing anything about Houston, just picked the first apartment complex he laid his eyes on and, um, it was a rough one, but yeah, pretty ghetto <laughs> broken down and, um, but you know, rough communities come with rough people. And so we just got to pursue that apartment complex in those first few months. And, um, I remember a couple, we were out prayer walking one night and ran into, um, a girl named Haley and Ray got to share the gospel with her. And, um, I don't, did she follow Christ? But she gave up that, Christ. Yeah. The first encounter, she yeah. decided to follow Jesus. And then we went back to follow up with her and her boyfriend, um, Javi was there. And I think he had a previous relationship with Jesus, but definitely wasn't walking with him then. And, um, it was just an awesome encounter. Both of them deciding to really commit to following Jesus. Um, Ray got to baptize Javi in the pool and then Javi got to baptize his girlfriend Haley. Um, and we got to start walking through discipleship with them. And so that was just really exciting, you know, in the beginning to see, okay, this is what the Lord can do when a couple is unified and together. And so that kind of started the journey as, um, you know, as a couple, we share with couples. As a couple, we disciple couples. As a couple, we coach couples. And it's kind of like been our mentality um, ever since. Yeah. Yeah. That home actually birthed a, uh, I mean, that was really the uh, beginnings of our team in Houston where we were working, Andrew and Carly Coker and Roger Scholl and uh, just God gave them to us in a simple way. And we just started rolling out as a team across Houston to uh, train churches, uh, find leaders, and then pour ourselves into them, help them be fruitful and successful in disciple making and or church planting. And out of that, we've been able to see the past couple years, just God really raise up a team 
uh, taking local ownership of No Place Left and the strategy um, across the city of Houston. Okay, and so as a as a couple and as a team, you're you're targeting local communities yourselves and and uh, gospel disciples, church starts, but you're also training across Houston. That's right, rising churches and and other teams. Yeah, city of six point five million. Um, you know, with uh, a pretty heavily um, churched. Um, you know, mentality or uh, background. Uh, you know, it's the number one city for mega churches, but there's just a lot of, of sleeping Pauls, sleeping Timothys that are in these churches that if they just, you know, God is uh, not only speaks vision into their life, but then actually gives them some practical handles to run on um, and some tracks to run on. I feel like they would have been seeing them actually get mobilized into the harvest and taking ownership of the Great Commission. Well, can you think of... Um... Yeah, the the story of some one of those uh, Timothys or Pauls, you know, what you did to sort of find them and how you mobilized them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one, Angela. So yeah, this uh, this young couple in North Houston, uh, Angelo and Brianna. Uh, Angelo is a little bit more timid. He was a part of a church. Um, uh, Woods, Edge. Woods Edge Community Church in North North Houston, also a pretty wonderful partner that God's using to, to spur movement on in Houston and, and beyond, actually. Um, but Angelo was a little timid, and so was uh, Brianna, but they had a big vision. They really wanted to share their faith and make disciples. So we started going, driving up. It was about an hour drive for us at the time, and we'd go up every week, and we would just spend like four or five hours with them, just walking them through the process, showing them, modeling what it's like to share the gospel in their neighborhood, in their apartment complex. And so to help uh, get over some fear, we just said, let's lower the bar a little bit. Just start praying for, for people. So they just started praying for people left and right. And then it gave them a little bit of boldness. And then they started asking the next question, are you far near to God? And can I show you a picture that changed my life? And so, when you say praying for people, you meant offering prayer, not just praying at home yeah. for them, but approaching people. Just pray for the person. And That's right. Okay. That's right. And then that gave yeah, them yeah, courage to take the next step. Yep. And then it gave them courage to see some wins. People actually want to be prayed for. So that mm. encouraged them. And then they were able to take the next step. And fast forward, Angelo uh, started making some goals. Uh, like, you know, I'm going to share the gospel with every guy that I meet this week. Every time I see a guy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share the gospel with him. He probably had like 40 plus gospel shares that week. Just because he stuck to his, there was a season though when he would walk in a Walmart, he would try to dodge people because he knew he had to share with them based on what he said. But Brianna um, started sharing with her coworkers. She was a pharmacist, and she saw one of her coworkers come to Christ, and then her coworker's husband and their family come to Christ, and they all got baptized. And so yeah. Angelo and Brianna both, and then they had a church that was meeting in their home um, that was full of new baptized believers from their apartment complex. Yeah. They were just on fire for the Lord. And it was an awesome opportunity for us, you know, like I said earlier, as a couple, coach a couple. And so yeah. just to pour into their lives um, and to see the Lord work through their yeah. obedience. Yeah, Angelo would uh, intentionally go uh, and share the gospel by the pool when people are at the pool, and then they would come to Christ, and they're already in their swimming suit, so they would get baptized immediately. And so it was really easy to get get pretty immediate baptisms over there. It was a good strategy he used. 
<laughs> now, you can't drive across town for everybody. So what was it about this couple who they weren't even ready to share the gospel? What was it about this couple that led you to think we should really invest some time in them? I remember when we first met them, um, we had just, we had, we got to share the three circles at a Wood's Edge service. And I remember the first time we met them, they came up to us after the service and they said, we want to do what you're talking about. We think we already are. <laughs> they said, we think we have one of those churches in our homes, um, but we really want to see that multiply and we want to see other people do that. Could you help us with that? <laughs> We're like, uh, yes, we can absolutely help you yeah. with that. So just that initial vision that they had mm -hmm. and understanding of, hey, I need to release the kingdom and be able to empower other, people's, other people to do that, I think was just awesome. Yeah, and not only that, but they, they were willing to, I mean, one, they had high level of obedience. Mm -hmm. So even, even though they had to lower the bar a little bit, they obeyed that as much as they can and very, very often. Mm -hmm. And then they also gave us a lot of time. So, I mean, when they, we came up, it wasn't just a quick hour. They sat with us at their kitchen table for four or five hours to 1 or 2 a.m., just walk, working through the process, trying to understand it. And so we want to pour ourselves out into people like that. Okay. And give us another story. Someone else that, that stands out as one of those Timothys. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say, so uh, one guy, um, so on our team, uh, Roger actually just recently discovered a guy. He's Filipino. His name's JV, and he's a restaurant owner. And uh, young guy. He, a young guy is a restaurant owner, just works really hard, pre-existing believer, but uh, Roger just, JV's very hungry, open, wanting to learn. Um, and so Roger just starts pouring his life into JV and, and, and modeling for him how to share the gospel, specifically among his oikos and his restaurant. And so fast forward, JV now has two churches. Uh, he starts a church in his restaurant with coworkers, with people that are coming in and they're gathering every week. week I forget what day, Thursdays maybe, Wednesday. Wednesday. And, uh, and then he's going out, uh, sharing the gospel on a nearby college campus that he starts a gathering with new believers in a uh, college campus on Sundays. And so with it's just a, with students. That's pretty, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And but just Roger imitating that, uh, that yeah. similar pattern. Look for, look for those generals, look for those laborers that are just, you know, high on obedience. They're teachable, they're available and they're faithful. And typically, are you finding or meeting those Timothys and those Pauls because you're out training around the city? Yeah, um, out training and just out, like, casting vision to existing believers. A lot of our leaders are existing believers that, you know, had a desire to walk out in obedience some way to make disciples and plant churches, but they didn't really know how to do that. And so, yeah. And that, that, and I mean, just relationally referring, you know, referrals, if you would, like we meet a guy. So this happened last night. Uh, I want, uh, this past couple of weeks, we go to Ohio to start to train across Ohio. We meet a guy named Will. Will is being faithful. He's sharing the gospel. He uh, just actually baptized while we were there, a guy from India that he led to Christ uh, just as he's putting the, the process to practice. And Will has a friend, a buddy of his that, 
he says is just as obedient as him. He's like, you got to get connected with him. He just moved to Houston. So sends us his contact and we meet this guy. Um, and, uh, he comes to our church and we just start walking with him a little bit. And he connects us to a guy in North Houston named Vinny. That's like, yeah, I want to start a church. And so we met with him last night and around a, a table till I think it was 2 AM or 1:30 AM. We're around a table at a restaurant and, uh, just walking him through the process doing some coaching, doing some training, even modeling with this guy named Jamal, who's our waiter, just share the gospel with Jamal. Jamal jumps up. So excited. He's actually, um, uh, what is Caribbean. it? Caribbean, Caribbean. He's from the Caribbean. Uh, his name's Jamal. He jumps up with joy. He gets down on his knees, prays to receive Christ as a waiter on the restaurant. Um, and, uh, he, we actually start walking it. He, he wants to try, he, he actually was saying things like everyone needs to hear this. Just, you know, we want to follow that line of discipleship and see what God does, but he, he's so it's not a formal training. Yeah, You're no. in a restaurant late at night. The poor waiter can't go home. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> and right. you're training there. Oh, well, I guess you've got a pad or something. And then the waiter comes to know Christ in the training. Yeah. That's right. Wow. I'm, yeah, it's exciting. That's God's better doing than fun. Christmas, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that story. Yeah. I don't right. mean that better than the event of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. The real Christmas, yeah. It's yeah. a good present. But so, yeah, God is, is definitely yeah. doing a lot. And I mean, and then even just at, like Sarah said, as a couple coach, a couple, one of the first couples that we met in Houston is uh, Philip and Lacey. Mm-hmm. And they were pre-existing believers, had a vision to start a church. And uh, God just opened up their heart to connect with us. And we just started trying to pour out everything that we've been given freely to give freely to them. And, and it's really spurred them on. And you know, they'll actually be there on um, Wednesday to, to, you'll hear a little bit from his, his perspective, but Philip and Lacey uh, just getting to meet with Sarah and I and just really became really close friends and laborers. So you're doing this as a couple. Dying every day. What, what, what are you learning about how, I mean, God's brought you together for a purpose. I mean, not just to do this ministry, there's a blessing for both of you in it, but what are you learning about a couple together in, in this, in this mission? Um, I think one thing that we're learning is that, you know, just like you said, God brought us together for a reason. Um, and as we walk this out together, I think we get to model that for families. You know, I think no place left has done an amazing job at showing this isn't just the dad's thing. This isn't just the husband's thing. This is the family's thing. Um, and so just getting to walk that out, you know, we train together, we travel together, we coach together um, because it's important. And, you know, if Ray is just meeting with the guys and it leaves half of the unit out, you know, and so we just try to be really intentional to model that for families that the wife is just as important and just as valuable um, and when we walk that out together, I think the Lord blesses that. Um, and he strengthens both of us, you know, cause Ray has strengths that I do not have yeah. and might have a few things that he doesn't have. So More than a few, that's we get to sure. balance each other out in that. So yeah. I think it's been really cool. You know, even when we travel for people in other cities to see like, okay, this isn't just Ray's thing. This is what yeah. we do together. And I think it, it strengthens yeah. other people to be able to see that. One thing that we've learned too, as a, as a, I mean, cause we're still so newly married, you know, I've been married for two years 
And um, the first year we didn't have anybody live with us, but on the second year, we really, this is a big takeaway for us. And we really learned that we enjoy this, but we, we opened up our home to allow people that are interested in learning this process and be discipled and grow in this uh, to come move in with us. And so um, so we had two girls come stay with us. So, you know, Sarah was pouring into them and Mm. walking them through the process one, a missionary that has come home from the Middle East to learn this process a little bit stronger so that they can be sent out. And then another who's a nurse who is um, just so faithful and sharing the gospel with their coworkers and uh, trying to roll this out and is actually prepping herself and possibly her future husband here soon <laughs> to, uh, to go overseas together to North India. So we're really excited. Mm. What, what are some of the challenges as a couple? being in this ministry together as partners. You want to share the challenges? Or you want me to share? <laughs> um, we have something. Yeah, we got a lot. Go for it. So, all right. Uh, I think, I mean, we were just talking about this this morning. We, you know, one thing that's, so, I mean, again, gifting is, you know, we complement each other a lot, but we also are two very different, unique people that Christ mm-hmm. is using. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I love about Sarah that she's good at is she's such a, a go-getter. She owns, you know, areas to such strong degree. She wants to make sure every door is knocked and, you know, everyone has a chance to hear. And um, I'm a little bit more, uh, so she adds a lot more structure where yeah. I'm a little bit more like don't want to be pegged down. You know, I like to to kind of uh, go where I see anybody that's open and, and just kind of go from there. But uh, both are right and neither one's wrong. And uh, so just learning how to to compromise and, and balance that as well as sometimes having to divide and conquer is okay. Um, and learning how to celebrate the fact that God has put certain places or people on Sarah's heart and learning for her how to celebrate uh, kind of what it is that, that I'm doing as well. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we try to do as much as we can together, but there's just some, you know, meetings with pastors or, you know, when it is just a single guy that I just don't need to be there. And so, yeah just figuring out how to both utilize our time well. Um, so yeah, like Grace said, divide and conquer. Yeah. And Sarah is super, super, uh, um, high capacity, especially when it comes to tasks. Like she is one, she's a gifted host, like in hospitality is strong and it's amazing. So she allows our home to be used for so much. Um, as well as just a faithful practitioner, but she's also high capacity with tasks. So she can knock out a hundred of them all day and not grow tired or weary. Whereas if I, I have to pay the rent, I'm burnt out. And, uh, but I'm high capacity, but in a different way, like more with people, like I'll be up to two or 3 AM talking with people. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's wants to check out at like 10. So. <laughs> so, so yeah, just learning that doing it together doesn't always mean we are always together because yeah, yeah, we don't. We don't have that eight to five break like most people. And then we just come together at night or together all day long. And so just balancing that out and realizing like, it's okay if, if I go to bed at 10 and Ray's still out coaching guys and Hmm. yeah, just find that rhythm and that balance has been um, a learning curve for us. Yeah. That's unique unique situation. What what about time off? Because in a sense, you're always on duty. I mean, you, you guys can just chat to the waiter and he comes to know Christ. So yeah. how, how do you have downtime when, you know, there's people all around? You know, what, what, do, what does that look like? 
Work hard, play hard. I feel like I'm better at it than Sarah, so I have no problem getting away and, and going rock climbing for a couple of days. Or we like to, uh, you know, when we do travel and train together, we'll try intentionally to to take a couple of days early or stay a couple of days late and enjoy time with good friends like Steve Addison, Steve and Michelle, and <laughs> go hike Snowdonia and in Wales and and all that. Learning that from Troy, how to balance his time well with family. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but one thing too, that we learned actually from Carly and, uh, Andrew Coker, they, they made a, uh, kind of a, a an admin time just one day uh, a week, just kind of like a couple hours, just as like a team meeting for the, you know, their family. We started doing that. So we'll do like a team Vaughn meeting where we do a lot of bonding <laughs> and, uh, it's, uh, and we just do that every Wednesday for about three or four hours and just walk, you know, pray together, walk through just our week, our travel schedule, finances. Yeah. Um, that's cool. It's also adds rest to us. So it, it is something that we're doing together and it keeps always on the same page. Um, and there's no surprises. And then Sarah and I favorite time is probably Mondays, which is today, Sabbath and date night. So, okay. so yeah. this interview is eating into your date night. No, not yet. No, this is not work. This is this is hanging out with a friend. We had T minus one hour till day nine. Yeah, that's right. And um, and the great news is you you guys. Well, Sarah's pregnant. Yeah, it turns out date night's a success. Nice <laughs> <laughs> work. Well, if you've enjoyed this episode, why don't you get on social media and spread the word? I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.